Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Would you take your copy of God's Word and find Jeremiah 29, please? Uh, Jeremiah 29, whether you have a Bible there or a device of some kind. Uh, We're continuing in our teaching series. Uh, Welcome to Babylon, but as you're finding that, let me just reiterate two things that uh, Pastor Josh shared during our announcements this morning. First of all, yes, next Sunday is our outdoor service. We do this once a year. Pray for good weather. So far, it's looking great. It's going to be a great day in the Lord, 10 a.m., one service, the whole church gathered outdoors. Bring a lawn chair, uh, bring a picnic, uh, plan to tailgate with your life group, and of course, we'll have some other food available for folks who... uh, who may have forgotten to bring a meal or, or their guests or what have you. Uh, but the key thing to remember is we're also providing an opportunity to follow the Lord and believers' baptism next Sunday, as we do every year at our outdoor service. And uh, we've had several people already lined up for baptism. I actually had two people walk into Next Steps after the first service and say, yes, Pastor Phil, it's time. It's time for me to get baptized. Uh, so I want to challenge you, if you've never followed the Lord and believers' baptism, uh, next Sunday would be an awesome opportunity uh, to do that. Make your public profession of faith in Jesus, along with several others at this point who are uh, scheduled to be baptized. Uh, come to see us in our Next Steps area immediately after the service and say, yes, it's time. Some of y'all have been putting this off for months and months, if not years and years. It's time, all right? The other thing I want to remind you of, as Pastor Josh mentioned, is uh, Saturday, October 1st is our one-day Uh, missions event all across Garland County. We'll have several teams going out from Crossgate Church, and certainly you can become a part of any one of those teams in terms of door-to-door evangelism, prayer walks. Uh, We're doing several multi-site events down at Cutter School, as well as uh, some uh, yard work teams and so forth. So you can be a part of that. Come see us in Next Steps if you'd like to sign up to be a part of one of the Crossgate teams. But here's the main thing I need you to do, church. I need you to bring some items and donate them for our no-sale yard sale. That's exactly what the, the name implies. Uh, we're going to be putting on a no-sale yard sale down at Cutter School Campus. Uh, basically, we're going to lay out all this stuff on tables, and people can just come and get it. They don't have to pay anything for it. The whole point is, as they come and get these items, there will be opportunities to share the gospel with them as they come. So we'll have our trailer parked out front of the church every Sunday and every Wednesday between now and the end of the month. So you can bring your items. Again, we're not looking for your bags of kitchen trash. We're we're not looking for your dirty laundry, okay? We're looking for for decent things that you have. Shara and I have been going through our house like locusts, uh, pulling out several things that we're going to donate. All you need to do is bring them to the trailer, and we will transport them down there. If you have a larger furniture item that you would like to donate, you can bring, certainly you can call us and we'll arrange something, but, but the ideal thing is you'd be able to bring that down to Cutter School directly Friday afternoon, September 30th, between 4.30 and 6.30. We'll put out some more information about that later. But multiple opportunities to donate and become a part of this great missions uh, event called One Day. Now, we are continuing in our teaching series called Welcome to Babylon. The premise of this series is basically this. God's people living in a setting, a cultural setting, that is increasingly opposed and antagonistic toward all that God's people hold dear, that God has said in His Word, uh, that Jesus has said and done. Certainly in the Bible, God's people lived literally in Babylon for a season uh, where they were totally detached from everything they knew and everything that was comfortable to them. We as God's people today in 21st century America are likewise living in a Babylonian context 
where we are increasingly on the outs with our culture. We introduced this two weeks ago. Pastor Josh brought a great message uh, last Sunday uh, about uh, living in Babylon. And of course, we're going back to Jeremiah 29, which is where Pastor Josh started his message last Sunday as well. Jeremiah 29 is basically the, 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 the recap of a letter that the prophet Jeremiah wrote to God's people while they were in exile that ultimately came from God himself. And so if we ever wanted to know what would God say to somebody living in Babylon, well, we already know. We have the Bible. So Jeremiah 29, let's reiterate this, verses 1 through 7. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And this was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. And the letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And it said, so everything I've said up to this point is just throat clearing. Here's the actual letter, okay? Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply their and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in Jeremiah 29, picking this letter apart and looking at several different key things that God told his people. Then for the balance of the teaching series, but welcome to Babylon, we're going to go to the book of Daniel and spend several weeks also in the book of of Daniel, another great work that God sent uh, to his exiles. Now, last week again, Pastor Josh camped out on verse 4 that basically reminded the people that God had given a word from God to the people in Babylon. And then Pastor Josh nailed it last week. I mean, he did a great job of talking about what the Bible is, why we believe it's the word of God, why we have a high view of Scripture <clears throat> at Crossgate Church. And, uh, and that set the, the, the stage for the rest of the series. Today, we're going to focus on verse 6. Look at verse 6, where God basically says that he has a heart for your family and for my family when you're living in Babylon. And God's desire is not simply that our families exist or get by or survive. God's desire is that we would thrive in Babylon. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today families that thrive in Babylon, all right? We're going to use verse 6 as a launching pad to see what God has to say about thriving as a family in this Babylonian context. First thing I want you to see, first of two things, is this, all right? We want to talk about the challenges to family vitality in Babylon. The challenges to family vitality in Babylon, and there are many, are there not? Right? Let's start out with a quote from Professor Andreas Kostenberger from the Southeastern Baptist Seminary in North Carolina who says this, really sums it up very well in his book, God, Marriage, and Family. Measured against the biblical teaching of marriage and the family, 
it seems undeniable that Western culture is decaying. In fact, the last few decades have witnessed nothing less than a major paradigm shift with regards to marriage in the family. The West's Judeo-Christian heritage and foundation have largely been supplanted by a liberation ideology that elevates human freedom and self-determination as the supreme principle for human relationships. Many hail this decline of the biblical traditional model of marriage and the family and its replacement by new and competing moralities as major progress. In other words, so much of what we hold dear as followers of Jesus Christ, so much of what is defined by the Scripture has been thrown out the window by our contemporary culture, and many people think that's a good thing. It's like, man, we are making some progress, baby. Now, I want you to think about a couple things with me about, about these challenges, the first of which is what I call tragic trends, all right? Some tragic trends. Uh, just this week, I came across a book that was written by a man named Carl Zimmerman, and in this book, Carl Zimmerman outlined about eight common denominators that were true of all empires and nations that rose in prominence in world history, but then fell. Listen to these eight characteristics. They might sound somewhat familiar to you. Number one, marriage lost its sacredness. Number two, marriage was increasingly broken by divorce. Marriage three, feminist movements abounded. Number four, increased public disrespect for parents and authorities became more and more prevalent. Number five, there was an acceleration of juvenile delinquency, promiscuity, and rebellion. Number six, there was a rejection of family responsibilities. Number seven, there was a growing acceptance of adultery in the culture. And lastly, there was an increasing acceptance of sexual perversion and sex-related crimes. Sound kind of familiar to you? When was that book written? 1947. 75 years ago, Carl Zimmerman said these things were trending in all of these empires and nations that fell, and he also said, I see them trending in our culture today. 75 years later, are they still trending? They are here, and they are loud and proud and large and in charge in so many places in our nation. That's a tragic trend. Those are tragic trends that we see in our nation as well. Here's another thing, something that I call Marxist mania, okay? Marxist mania. Ever, ever hear of a dude named Karl Marx, right? He died in 1883, but his ideas and his thoughts are still influencing people to this day. Karl Marx, the founder of communistic atheism and atheistic communism, the man who wrote the famous book called The Communist Manifesto in 1848, many, many years ago, who famously said, in order to advance our agenda, we must abolish the family as we know it. We've got to abolish the family. I mean, when I talk about abolishing the family, I'm talking about here's dad and here's mom and here's the kids living all in one little unit. He said that's got to go out the window in order for us to move forward to our goals of government ownership and collective control. You say, Phil, that was a long time ago. I mean, that dude's been dead for 140 years. Surely he still doesn't have an influence in our world today. He's got a ton of influence in the world today. Uh, just this week, I saw an article from a social commentator, Sophie Lewis, who said this in an article, Want to Dismantle Capitalism? Abolish the Family. Have you heard that before? Right? This is what she said. Why does the traditional family even exist? She says, it exists for training us up to be workers, 
training us to be inhabitants of a binary, gendered, and racially stratified system, training us not to be queer. She said, this, th- th- this gender-oriented system, which basically means, you know, you got your men and you got your women. That system needs to go. We got to abolish the whole thing. Why? Because just as Karl Marx said, and people say today, that is standing in the way of our agenda. That's Mar- what's what I call Marxist mania. But here's one other, normalizing nonsense. Normalizing nonsense. Have you noticed that there's a lot of things in our world that have become normal that not many years ago would have con- be, been considered complete nonsense, right? I mean, just here's a little cute way of looking at it. Imagine you're sitting at a, a wedding reception, and the best man stands up, and he's going to give a toast to the groom. And he stands up and he says, well, <laughs> kind of chuckles, wink, wink, nod, nod. He goes, well, I guess you're going to have to limit yourself to one woman for the rest of your life. ha, ha, ha. Half of the the wedding guests kind of laugh, the other half groan, the bride kind of rolls her eyes, right? What's normal? I mean, what is normal in our world today? Another case in point, the birth rate. The birth rate in all of Western culture is plummeting, so much so that even the famous philosopher Elon Musk just a few months ago said that the, the plummeting birth rate is the biggest challenge to civilization. We're running out of people. See, every culture must answer this. We've come to the point, every culture must answer this question. Is a child a blessing or is a child a burden? That's the question that people are asking now. We're normalizing nonsense. But whether you're talking about tragic trends, Marxist mania, normalizing nonsense, we are facing challenges in our culture today living in Babylon. And those are just the external challenges, not to mention All of the internal challenges that are going to challenge your family no matter where you live. Pride, the flesh, selfishness, all of the things that are gnawing at our families. Those are the challenges that will prevent us from from enjoying and, 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 and really just realizing this vitality that we would thrive as families. So, there are some challenges Uh, to family vitality in Babylon. But here's the other thing I want to talk about, and this is the main part of the message anyway. There are some pathways to family victory in Babylon. Okay, now again, we've got challenges. Yes, the challenges are numerous. And we've got one of two options when it comes to addressing these challenges. We can either play not to lose, or we can play to win. Right? Either we just we do what we have to do to hold the fort and just kind of keep things together, or we actually press on toward victory in our families. That's what I want to do. See, it's the difference between playing whack-a-mole. You ever played whack-a-mole? You go to Chuck E. Cheese or some other place, and they got the little board there, and you have a mallet, and the mole pops up over here, and you got to whack him on the head, then he pops up over here, you got to whack him on the head, then he pops up over here, and you're just constantly bam, 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 bam just trying to whack the moles, right? That's one way to live your life. I don't want to live my life that way. Constantly being, being bombarded by all these things and focusing. I'd rather press in to God's word, to his pronouncement of, of what the family is all about, to his priorities, to his plan for disciple making, and, and all of that. Let's talk about that for just a moment, okay? Let's talk about some of those pathways to family victory. First of all is God's pronouncement. God's 
pronouncement. Now, if you've been to Crossgate Church more than about 10 minutes, you know that just about the most important question that we ask every single Sunday at Crossgate Church is this, what does the Bible say? Yes, yes, everyone gets an A today. You get an A, you get an A, you all get an A, right? What does the Bible say? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Phil Kramer says. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what the politicians say. What matters is what God has said in His Word. That's why we have a high view of the Scripture. That's why we gave that message last Sunday. Pastor Josh did a great job. We realize that there are many voices in this world, most of which will tell you to do something different than what God tells you. So what are you going to follow? All the voices? I like what Pastor Michael Katz said. This is a great quote to memorize. Never trust a voice over a verse. Amen? Never trust a voice over a verse. And when you hear a voice, you better check it out based on what God has said. Think about what God says about the family. Genesis chapter 2. Look at this. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper like him, which is the best translation there. Very simple. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper like him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh." Now, how many of you know you can't improve on that? You simply cannot improve on what God has given us. Many of you have heard that when the Treasury agents and the FBI agents learn about counterfeit money, they do spend some time studying all the different tricks of the trade of the counterfeiters in terms of how they make their fake money, how they attempt to pass it and circulate it and all of that. But the vast majority of the training for these agents when it comes to counterfeit money is to handle the real thing. And they give them these ones and fives and tens and twenties and, and, and hundred dollar bills, these Benjamins, and they feel them. They look at them. They even smell them. And what they found out is when they have spent sufficient time familiarizing themselves with the real deal, it is super, super easy to spot the bogus money. Super easy. Now when it comes to the Word of God, here's my challenge for you and your family. You need to become familiar with the Word, and then become even more familiar with the Word, and then become even more familiar with the Word, so that the Word of God becomes something that's so, so natural to you, that when all of these voices, and all of these ideas, and all of these other things from Babylon come up, up against your family, you can say, that's fake, that's bogus, that's false. Right? So important. What role does the Bible play in your home anyway? I mean, for real, let's just get honest, okay? What, what role does the Word of God play in your home? I heard something not too long ago. It was just a little, little thing written uh, just to make a point. 
Uh, but it was called the Diary of a Bible. Maybe you've heard this before. Diary of a Bible. If a Bible actually had a diary that it wrote down, what would it say? Here's one Bible. January 15th. Been resting for a week. A few nights after the first of the year, my owner opened me, but no more. Another New Year's resolution down the drain. February 3rd. My owner picked me up and rushed me off to church. February 23rd. Cleaning day, dusted, put back in my place. April 2nd. Busy day. Owner had to present the lesson in Sunday school. Quickly looked up a lot of references. May 5th. Grandma's in town. Such a comfortable place here in her lap. May 9th. Grandma let a tear fall on John 14. May 10th, Grandma's gone, put back in the old place. May 20th, baby born, they wrote his name on one of my pages. July 1st, packed in suitcase and headed for vacation. July 10th, still in suitcase, almost everything else taken out. May, uh, July 14th, home again, quite a journey, though I can't see why I went. August 10th, cleaning day, Dusted again and put in a prominent place. The pastor is coming over for dinner. I know none of y'all would do that, okay? August 20th, owner wrote grandma's death in the family record and left an extra pair of glasses between my pages. December 31st, owner just found his glasses. Wonder if he'll make any resolutions about me this year. What would your Bible write? What would be the diary of your Bible? if it had one. I think it was Billy Graham years ago who said, these things God has married and no man shall part, dust on the Bible and drought in the heart. There's a pronouncement from God about the family. Familiarize yourself with it. You will not go wrong by going back and reading Genesis chapter 2 to your family. That's the pronouncement from God. How about God's priority? Let's think about God's priority for just a moment because, because beyond the basics of Bible engagement and making sure that your Bible has a prominent place in your home spiritually, I mean, what, what's God's plan? What, 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 what's God's program for our families? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Generational and multi-generational disciple-making. That's exactly what our priority needs to be in our homes. Generational and multi-generational disciple-making. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It was true then, it's true now. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the decrees that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now here we have a picture of disciple-making in the home. You say, well, how are we supposed to do this, Phil? Great question. Okay, because this is definitely a strategy, right? It's not, it's not simply that you're living your life in front of your kids, that they see you living your life and loving the Word of God, as important as that is, but you are actually taking time to train your children. 
This is one of the many reasons why we have established discipleship groups as a key mechanism for, for making better disciples at Crossgate Church, or D groups for short. Uh, we started these last year. We've got several. I think we've probably got 15 or 18 D groups uh, at Crossgate Church now. You say, what is a discipleship group? Well, Pastor Rob and Pastor Keith did an excellent job a couple of weeks ago kind of delineating what a D group is. And uh, basically, a D group is a very small group of men or women that meets on a regular basis to establish and to embrace as a new reality the, the, the basic rhythms of the Christian life, things like Bible reading, accountability, journaling, scripture memory, prayer, the basics, the fundamentals. And getting those to the point where they become basic, uh, you know, instinctive rhythms of your life and, and my life. Now, the reason why this factors into the family is because the same kind of basics that we teach and, and, and we use to mentor one another in discipleship groups are the same basics that we should be establishing as rhythms in the lives of our children. That's why if you're in a discipleship group, you're, you're being equipped to disciple others, whether it's your children, your grandchildren, whoever God places in your sphere of influence, right? You say, Pastor Phil, I just, I don't have time to be in a discipleship group. Okay, I got that. We are very, very busy people, so let me point you to two specific resources. Two resources, the first of which is this, the same book that Pastor Keith and Pastor Rob mentioned a few weeks ago, Replicate, written by Robbie Gallaty, Pastor Robbie Gallaty from Nashville, Tennessee. This is still, in my humble but very accurate opinion, this is the best resource for discipleship today. Okay, it talks about what a life group is. It talks about what a D group or a discipleship group is. Chris Swain, who partnered with Robbie in writing Replicate, also wrote a book for discipling your children. Okay, write it on their hearts. Practical help for discipling your kids. Some of you know that Chris Swain actually passed away last year, about a year ago, went on to heaven, and his wife completed the book and published it. It came out earlier this year. I've got a copy of it. It is fantastic. And what this book basically does is it takes the, 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 the teachings of Replicate, kind of boils it down to how to incorporate these things into the lives of your children. If you're a parent, you've got to have this book. If you're a grandparent, you've got to have this book. No, I'm not making any commission off of that. I'm just simply telling you it is an awesome, awesome resource. Now, go back to verse 6 in Jeremiah 29, or even Deuteronomy 6. Notice the multi-generational dimension there. Right? Whether it's Jeremiah or, or it's Deuteronomy, your son and your son's son, your children and their children. For that matter, on the top of my head, I've got Psalm 128, verse 5. Right? May the Lord bless you from Zion, and may you see your children's children. There, there's an emphasis there on, on not just discipling your children, but somehow discipling the generation that follows them Right? in our first service. You, you, you saw it in the announcements on the screen, but in our first service, we had child dedication for two different families, and it was an incredible joy to my heart to see Pastor Rob come up and say a blessing of dedication and prayer over both of his grandkids and their families. I mean, just unbelievable, but touch my heart, brother. Thank you for just setting the tone, you and Tula, and so many others at Crossgate Church who truly want to invest in their grandchildren, because check it out, folks. You hit retirement, your main priority in life is not to entertain yourself. Your number one priority in life is not to see the world. Your number one priority in life is not to somehow enjoy the, the good life. It, and I'm not, I don't have anything wrong with any of that. 
Yes, you should see the world. I'm looking forward to seeing some things someday when I retire and, and enjoying some things that, 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 that I don't have time to enjoy now, but that's not the priority. The priority is to make disciples. To make disciples. Somehow, some way, if God gives you grandchildren, somehow, pouring into them. You know, I think John Piper, uh, in his famous message from about 20 years ago, touched an entire generation when he said this. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, which I've been to Punta Gorda, it's awesome, (laughs) where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. Then John Piper says, that's a tragedy. On the day when you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account with what you did, may you have more to say than, here it is, Lord, my shell collection, and look at my boat. John Piper says, don't waste your life. Again, I am so looking forward to spending some time fishing and doing some other fun stuff with with kids and grandkids and all that once I retire someday. But listen, the biggest burden of my heart is to make disciples of the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. And may God give us that burning desire in our hearts. By the way, speaking to all you grandparents or those who hope to be someday, Saturday, November 5th, Right here at Crossgate Church, we're going to host the simulcast of the Legacy Coalition's Grandparents Summit 2022. This is going to be a great, great event. It's an all-day event. Some of the speakers will be Larry Fowler, Ann Graham Lotz, Crawford Loritz. Not just giving sermons, but giving practical teaching on how to disciple your grandchildren. That is the heartbeat of the Legacy Coalition. We're going to host it right here at Crossgate you can go to crossgate.org slash events for more information. The cost will be $35 per person with the Crossgate promo code. It's all right on the website. And we're going to be talking more about this in the days ahead. But this is just to whet your appetite about an event coming up on Saturday, November 5th. I will be here, not because I have any grandkids that I know of, but, be, but because I want to learn and be prepared to invest in those grandchildren that God willing, someday my wife and I have the opportunity to influence and to bless. All right, so that's something very specific to think about as we make disciples and make disciples and make disciples. Now, here's the last thing. Last thing I want to talk about is God's priority. Okay, God's priority. Because at the end of the day, God does not want a place in your family. Okay, God doesn't just simply want to be one of many things that you have going on. God wants to be the priority in your family. Here's the challenge, okay? There may be one or two people listening to the sound of my voice right now who say, I don't believe in God. It's a big joke. God, all this religion business is garbage. I'm just here because my wife dragged me here. There may be one or two people like that on our campus this morning, but I would guess that the vast majority of our people say, yes, I believe in God. Yes, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. Yes, the Bible is important to me. But here's the challenge. The challenge is this. For many people who come to Crossgate Church, God is just one of many things in their lives. He's not the thing. He's not the main event. And when you make God the main event, it takes care of a lot of other things. Joshua 24, famous passage about the family, verses 14 and 15. Joshua said to the people, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness, Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river 
and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In other words, he said, he, he said look, at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do. And, and, and you got to stand before God. But for me and my house, God's going to be number one. That's going to be number one for us. Adrian Rogers said it best. Listen to this. There are about four or five big decisions that you can make that will take care of a thousand small decisions. Did you know that? There's about three or four, maybe five big decisions that you and your family can make that will basically make it very easy when it comes to all these little decisions. For example, right? If you decide that God's going to be number one in your home, guess what? You're not going to have a debate on Saturday night whether or not you're going to church on Sunday. That's not even up for discussion. I heard a quote just last week. A guy said, you know, children should not be surprised when, when their parents say, hey, we're going to church today. If anything, children should be surprised if their parents say, yeah, we're just not going to make it to church today, y'all. Right? You, you don't have, that, that's not up for debate. I mean, if, if God is number one in your life, you're not going to have to debate whether or not you're going to have this, these garbage TV shows and this trashy music and all these other things in your home. It, it, it's not even going to be an issue. It's not even going to be something you have to discuss. If God is number one in your home, you're not going to have to debate from week to week to week whether or not you're going to return back to the Lord a portion of what He's given to you. You won't even have to think about it. For that matter, you won't even have to think about whether you're going to love your husband or wife unconditionally with Christ-like love. You're not even going to have to, 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 to think about whether or not you're going to respect and obey your parents. And on and on and on. You make four or five key decisions, that'll take care of a thousand smaller decisions. Now look, folks. There are challenges that we face in our families. External challenges abolish the family, the, the, the trends that, that are going against what God says is right and good. There's, there's internal challenges. Again, I, I mentioned selfishness. Do you ever deal with selfishness in your home? Do you ever deal with, 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 with greed or, 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 or materialism or, or any number of things? Yes. And our two options are either one, we're just going to keep playing whack-a-mole with all these little things, or we can press in to God in such a way that so many of these challenges cannot even get a toehold in our lives. I heard, a, I heard a, a spiritual illustration two weeks ago, one of the most powerful that I've ever heard in my life. Years ago, in the early days of aviation, there was a pilot flying his plane along at a relatively low altitude, and over his co corner of his shoulder, he he heard a noise. He wasn't sure what it was, and he said, man, that just that doesn't sound right. Finally, he looked over his shoulder, and in the back of the plane, he saw a rat that I guess had climbed onto his plane while it was parked on the ground. So he's flying along in his plane, and he hears this rat chewing on something in the back. He says, man, this is not good. That rat could be chewing on a cable or a rope or something that's holding my, my elevator, my rudder. I mean, if he chews through that, this thing's going down. What am I going to do? I mean, I'm in a dilemma. I can't just get up out of my seat and chase that rat around the plane with a hammer. But i got to do something. 
Otherwise, we're probably going to crash. So they came up with an idea. There was a little emergency oxygen bottle right there next to him. And he picked it up and he put that thing over his face. And then he just pulled hard back on the stick. And that plane just started flying higher and higher and higher and higher and higher until it came to a point where that rat could not even breathe. And the rat died. Now, I hope you understand the, the moral of that story. Every single one of us, there are some kind of rats gnawing at your family. There's, there's, there's rats that gnaw at this or that or whatever, threatening to, to bring your entire family crashing to the ground. So what are you going to do? I mean, you, you can't, there's no way for you to chase these rats around and, and beat them on the head with hammers. Why don't you pull back on the stick? And press in. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And you, you press in for more of Jesus Christ in your life. And you climb and, and fly higher and higher and higher and higher into the heavens, closer to the face of God. Let me tell you something. A lot of those rats are just going to die. Because they can't get you at that altitude. Friends, I don't know where you are. But I'll tell you this, you've got all of God that you want. Right now, you've got all of God that you want. Do you want more? That's the question. Do you want more of God than you have right now? May that be the desire and the heartbeat of our families, of, of our lives, that we would truly, desperately want more of God in our homes. That, that that yes, we would understand that there are some practical things that we can put in place for training and discipling our children and grandchildren. That God doesn't want, want us simply to survive, to get by in Babylon. He wants us to thrive. And may your family, and may my family, be those that thrive in Babylon. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.